Hello, and welcome to the African Tech Roundup. This is episode 23, and as always, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across Africa. My name is Andy Lemasugu, and my co-host on the show, as always, is Defo Mahapi. How's it, guy? Oh, good, dude. Hey, the dude was rolling heavy last week, eh? So speaking at the conferences and uh, hanging out with the important people. Oh. oh, please, come on. No, it was just, it was quite interesting. I was on a pa- speaking on a panel at the Women in Tech in Africa inaugural summit for 2015. And it was quite, I learned quite a lot. I mean, the plight of women in tech and hearing how they struggle. We do struggle as guys, but listening to how they have to struggle in an industry that's male-dominated was quite educating and humbling. It's quite a thing when uh, something doesn't affect you directly. And uh, shout out to all the amazing women in tech who are making it happen. We've uh, featured some on the show. Keep it coming. Uh, We love that you're part of the ecosystem. It wouldn't be the same without you, that's for sure. And if you're joining us for the first time, shame on you. (laughs) <laughs> Head straight to africantechroundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter to get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday. And also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at African Roundup. Check us out on Facebook too, facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And also leave some comments for us on our website, africantechroundup.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, later on in this week's discussion, we ask, what's the best way to build new tech products for Africa? We'll talk about the underwhelming performance of products like the Altec Node. And of course, the promise of things like Nasperse's Showmax video on demand service. But first, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solution. Now, Imagination is an information management and consulting company that helps business Businesses create reports that are both meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact the bottom line. Now, here's Richard Bezadenhout, MD of Imagination Info Solutions, on what you should expect once you give them a seat at your strategy table. The way we deliver our service to you is through a frictionless engagement in which we learn all about you and the problem you are wanting to resolve. Understanding numbers and the data is just as important, but our solutions are not crafted for technical people. They're crafted for business users as an extension of who they are and to answer the question that everyone asks, is this going to help me? We have high-touch engagement, so you know daily what we are working on, any issues we may uncover, what needs to be done to resolve those issues, and the way the end solution will look like long before the expected delivery date. Most of our projects are done within just weeks, so you don't end up losing that excitement of having something new to work with. Now, if that sounds good to you, visit imagination.co.za to find out what Richard and his team can do for your business and learn firsthand why clients are raving about their information management solutions. Now, today's listener comment comes courtesy of a Kenyan data scientist named Sydney Ochieng, who has tough words for the Consumer Confederation of Kenya. You know, the folks behind the proposed boycott of DSTV in Kenya that we covered last week. Take a listen. COFAC is not a real thing. It's a, it's a noisemaker organization. They only seem to take up cases when it can bring them publicity. And there's been rumors of, you know, payouts and bribes, uh, blackmail, that type of thing. But generally, they seem to be more concerned about uh, middle class problems. Because like you said on the show, DSTV is really, you know, fast world type problems. Because the country has much bigger issues 
with consumer and you know you have uh, things like uh, uh, packaging that is misleading advertising that's misleading that type of thing but they only seem to take up cases when it's against a big corporate and it can get them on the news uh, it doesn't really represent the consumers of Kenya at least I personally don't feel represented by them meanwhile love the show keep it up guys Oh shucks, thank you Sydney Now if you'd like us to include your audio comment On any of the topics we've covered You can email us using Hello at africantechroundup.com Or give us a shout on facebook.com Forward slash africantechroundup Or just hit us up on Twitter using the handle At africanroundup And our team will get right back to you On to the news Now we start with a groundbreaking biometrics pilot That Visa has chosen to conduct in South Africa Interesting that they chose South Africa as a pilot uh, What Kate Kelly says Who I think heads up the sub-Saharan division at Visa, is that they chose South Africa as a pilot to test uh, the biometric. Instead of using a pin for your a- at the ATM, you use your fingers. So they're going to use fingerprinting technology. And they're saying, which I find very interesting, they're targeting the unbanked with this new service. And uh, what I find exciting is that they've chosen South Africa as a, a testing ground, really, for something that they plan to roll out in the rest of the world. Correct, but what doesn't make sense to me, again, as groundbreaking as it is, is they're testing South Africa, but Kate Kelly says if it is successful as a pilot in South Africa, then they'll roll it out in the USA and other markets. But you don't have that many people unbanked in the USA. That's interesting. Perhaps they're just looking for cheaper, more efficient ways to do what they already do elsewhere. I suspect so. I suppose we've spoken a lot on the show on on how the banks have allowed the comfort of their legacy business to keep them from from actually banking people or bringing people on board that in their minds were just too expensive and too troublesome to try and bring in. Uh, I suppose this is a good good sign from someone like Visa who quite frankly have a a huge share of the market in, in, in moving money around the planet. Definitely. And interesting thing is that it will work across different chip cards as well. So whether it's MasterCard, Europay, Visa, obviously. So it will work with that. But my, my only concern now is that people don't have to worry about card cloning. You've got to worry about your fingers getting chopped off. Maybe it'll it'll only work if your finger's warm, in which case like someone will need to chop your hand off and use it within like five minutes or something. Or walk around with something flask to warm it or something. Right, messy. Dude, the criminal mind. <laughs> We're accessing areas of our criminal minds. Let's just get out of it and move on to the next story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, Apple's done something very interesting. They've shut down Hopstop. Now, if, in case you don't remember, Hopstop is uh, the transit app that, that, that uh, Apple bought from a guy called Chinedu Echuruo in 2013 for a whopping one billion US dollars. Now, why would they shut it down, Defo? Apple's looking to develop their own mapping technology or acquire companies around that. So, Hopstop used Google Maps. So Google, Apple, they don't get along that well. They haven't said that much, but I suspect that's what that's what's happening here. They've no doubt extracted everything they wanted to learn from that business, um, or at least got it out of the way. I, I wonder what it'd feel like to be Chinedu and look at your baby, like basically being, you know, put to death like this. I think from Chinedu's side, probably a little bit of emotion, but I'm, th- I'm sure something that $1 billion can soothe. Took the edge off a bit. Yeah, a little, just a tad bit. Holla at you, Chinedu. If you are listening to us, brah, reach out. We want to hear from you, boy. <laughs> and what are you up to? What did you do with that billion? <laughs> Definitely. But I think for Apple, a billion dollars is, is, is not much. 
uh, they they are a very cash flush company. They've got a couple of hundreds of billions in their in their war in their war chest. So yeah, it's not something very something very small for them to write off. They've no doubt put a lot of what they've learned from this company in their current iteration of iOS nine. I'm sure. I think so. I'm not an Apple user at the moment, but I think they probably have and have extracted, as you say, a lot of value from it. Well, then, moving to Nigeria now, where WeChat is set to partner with online tech publication Tech Cabal to host conferences they're calling Africa Beta. They're designed to woo Nigerian developers to use their API and no doubt help them grow WeChat's user base. Yes, this is this is a great initiative. I like it. I like when uh, big companies like Nespers, which which owns WeChat, go out and try and woo developers to use their APIs. I mean, it calls for more collaboration and integration, like we've seen WeChat do in South Africa, with engaging brands to run channels or all sorts of content generation uh, initiatives. Yes, quite recently, uh, a big. Um a big announcement from WeChat in collaboration with Standard Bank. Uh, Standard Bank being the first to use WeChat as a platform to create uh, what I think they've called something like a virtual broker or virtual uh, banking assistant for you where you can literally uh, speak to them via your WeChat profile. Innovative stuff. And, of course, uh, trying to disrupt broadcasting as well with their partnerships uh, with people like uh, Gareth Cliff of Cliff Central and things like that. It'd be nice to bring uh, Nigeria on board this. Definitely, Nigeria. Everybody wants to grab the Nigerian market. Everybody's looking at those population numbers and the growing internet usage numbers and wanting to grab those. And WeChat is doing that definitely, and a commendable effort in this case. Uh, for our next story, it's Africa versus China, or well, kinda, or China versus China, sort of. Maybe it's not Africa at all because. Alpesh Patel, uh, the founder and uh, CEO of uh, MyPhone, was born in England, and the story involves his company. If anybody knows which country MyPhone is actually registered, uh, i.e. which country benefits from the taxes <laughs> they must remit, please give us a shout. Anyway, MyPhone is in the news because they've basically taken Xiaomi um, to court. There's a complaint from MyPhone um, that Xiaomi should stay away from my narcissistic kind of <laughs> okay if you're in a market where my phone operates you'll know that they call their phone my this and my that the different models and that kind of thing and xiaomi is obviously making a move into africa and um apparently called some of their phones my somethings yep. my phone etc etc but uh, also interesting is that my phone as a brand say they're african but the hardware is manufactured in china but that's besides the point. The point here is that my phone, my phone's Alpesh Patel, the CEO and founder, is saying that uh, or accusing Xiaomi of not doing their due diligence before they launched in, on the continent and finding out first if there are any other brands with the same names, etc. So that's the basis of his complaint, which is quite interesting because there's a similar case, although not similar, that happened in India. Yeah, where uh, Ericsson India basically took uh, Xiaomi to, to Delhi's high court. Um, and the high court actually ruled in Ericsson's favor, basically ordering a stop to all Xiaomi imports into India. And, um, well, Ericsson certainly in that in the Indian market has been taking a whole bunch of, of uh, producers to court, uh, Micromax, Geoni, and Intex and such. Uh, of course, that's a patent dispute. But one might argue that... The, the, there's a similarity in approach. Perhaps Xiaomi has 
might have this habit of of walking into markets that they know are not highly regulated and where incumbents aren't terribly well protected, perhaps where patents aren't as strong, or trademarks not as as well policed, and that kind of thing, and sort of just drop in and and, and know they're just going to kill it. Well, I think it's different. One, this is why I mentioned why, that my phone is manufactured in China is because we need to find out if they own their own patents, if the designs they make are patented firstly, if there's any innovative technology in the phones that is patented and owned by my phone. And secondly, this is just a general statement from Alpish Patel because Xiaomi is not attacking a specific country, so we need to find out if at all my phone has patents in which countries are those patents registered secondly in which countries is he going head on with xiaomi regarding patents if it is at all patents but from what we read from his statement it seems to be more a naming thing and in that case is have they trademarked their name as my phone and in which markets have they trademarked it and to, that would determine then which uh, which markets Xiaomi is infringing on. You're making me think now because chances are very good that if they had done their due diligence, and I'm speaking about my phone now, they had done their due diligence in as far as trademarking the names as, say, Peugeot does with certain car numbers, as Ericsson has clearly done in India in protecting its patents, its, its intellectual property. Perhaps there wouldn't be a dispute. It would be as simple as sending lawyers over with a letter saying... <laughs> Hey, listen, chaps, but perhaps what they have isn't as protectable as one might hope. Well, I, I gather that from the statement. I mean, if you had all those things you're talking about in order, you don't need to go to newspapers or online media, etc., to make the statement. You just pick up the phone or type an email to your legal team and say, Xiaomi are infringing on our patents or trademarks. Please send them a letter. And you settle it that way. Finally, it's been on the cards for a while, let's be honest. But uh, uh, And sadly, I guess, in some respects, South African technology group Altron is closing its video-on-demand business, Altec Node. <laughs> Shame. As you say, I mean, it's been on the cards for a while. We've criticized the Altec Node. Uh, one, the hardware was very expensive. Didn't seem to be well thought out in terms of content, etc. And especially with the world moving towards uh, online services. So they were getting into a market, firstly, that was dominated by DSTV's decoders continent-wide. And in some markets on the continent, you had GoTV, Star Times, etc. So they were going into that market with a device which consumers didn't see as an internet-enabled device. All they saw was, oh, another decoder. Yeah, well, I have to say, I have to give you props for calling that one. Uh, look, if you're, if you're wondering what to do with your, <laughs> with your node, if you're one of the, like three people who bought it, uh, don't worry. They'll be taking it back from you. They'll be giving you <laughs> refunds. Any outstanding subscriptions will be refunded. And as of uh, October 31st, it'll be totally offline. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. It's sad. I mean, this talks to not doing research properly, not talking to potential customers, probably and just developing a product and thinking it will take off. And I also think the timing is quite curious, given that uh, Showmax from Naspers has just recently launched. Well, I mean, that's the perfect segue into our discussion where we ask, what is the best way to build new tech products for Africa? Uh, you mentioned Showmax, which, <laughs> where can you, how can you not think about Showmax? It's all over Twitter. It's all over, well, social media platforms in general. The billboards are everywhere. Let's be honest. It's like 100% clone of Netflix, like any other video on demand service. But the advantage that uh, Naspers and Showmax 
have is that they already have DSTV. And one would imagine, and I could be wrong because I don't know the exact details, one would imagine that the content deals that they have for DSTV on the multi-choice side would still apply for Showmax. So there's no lengthy process of trying to tie up new content deals for a new company, something that Altec Node would need to go through. So look, I mean, in, in fairness now to, to the folks at, at Altron who, who clearly thought their, their node was... <laughs> The next, the, the next, the best thing since sliced bread. The truth is, I suppose not every product works, even if it is great, even if it does add value. So, what then can we learn uh, comparing these two situations? You've got uh, the node, which it could be argued was a fairly decent product with some potential, and then you've got Showmax, which is clearly a, a, a not an entirely, not an innovation in any respect. Actually, not an innovation in any respect, but seems to. So like just hit that it just seems to scratch a, the perfect itch in a sense you know so what can we learn in terms of how to build uh the the, the perfect product for an african market firstly a statement i mean as you say not not everything new is innovative Showmax has just shown us that so we've seen the Showmax model everywhere iroko is one example netflix is one example tuluntulu is one example and they recently shut down wabona which we also called earlier in the year but what's interesting is that in terms of what's the best way to build, I think Showmax is showing it, understand the customer, understand what the customer wants. And in this case, how people are consuming video and how people are consuming uh, series and TV type content. And they're consuming it on their mobile phones while commuting or at home, depending on whether they're students. Or... So firstly, understand what the customer wants or consumes or uses your product. So with Altec, to use the Altec, I mean, they're not, they're unfortunate because they just shut down. So we'll have to use them as an example. With them, they came with a new device. I mean, this is a new piece of hardware that you have to put on your TV shelf. Not thinking about, what if I already have a DSTV uh, subscription? What if that's not how I consume content? Maybe I don't consume content like that. What if it doesn't go with my decor? <laughs> exactly. What if I don't have a DSL line at home? Because you needed an internet connection for this, for the Altec Node. What if I want to watch something when I'm not at home? Uh, mobile, anybody? <laughs> exactly. So I think the first thing is understand the customer. And you mentioned it, understand what's, what's that itch for the customer. What makes them watch series? What makes them do all these things? What makes them consume all this content? So what's that customer problem that the customer is looking for in content? Yeah, and you know, if you listen in, on the show long enough, you'll know that uh, we, you know, we on the show have a huge pet peeve for companies that just seem to take the African market for granted, just walk in here and think they're just going to do what they like. And in fairness to to, Al, to, to other folks at Altec, they've been here a while. They've been successful, certainly run a lot of successful business in the technology space. Um, but it's, it's, it's quite humbling to see how even uh, people who've been here a while, or in any market for that matter, can get it wrong. Yeah, I think for Altec, it's not a case of uh, not having been on the continent. It's being on the continent or being in South Africa and taking it for granted that you know the market. And again, not wanting... I think it's a corporate... When, when you grow too big and become a corporate or an enterprise and you think, oh, we know the market, we already know we've done similar things before, we can rely on some research done by somebody else, but not really targeted at our target customers. And you just build, sitting in your own labs without consulting much customers. And it's not just a technology ecosystem problem. It's certainly, we've seen it recently, even in South Africa, with the Platinum Group going under. Amazing, well, in some respects, iconic uh, uh, retail clothing brands attached to this, to this group 
um, suffering because clearly uh, in terms of strategy and understanding the market they're operating in, a market they've been in for a very long time, clearly not making use of the advantage of being homegrown. Definitely. And I think the other thing is something we touched on last week is growth versus profit. With uh, Altec Node, again, they, they heavily invested in this hardware, which didn't make sense at all. That Why do you need to have a piece of hardware to watch content when people are consuming it differently? So as I said, that speaks to not understanding the customer. But also it's the corporate mentality of we're going to build something, we're going to ship it out there, and we're going to make money as quickly as possible, and we're going to charge the most amount up front justify R&D going forward instead of chasing growth and they could have done that if they understood the customer. This also makes me think of that diversity debate uh, we've often had on the show and perhaps there are corporates within technology that are thinking, why sh- why the heck should we have millennials in our boardroom? Or who needs women? <laughs> heck, we're doing just fine as Afrikaans, <laughs> Afrikaans gentlemen in this boardroom. Who ne- who needs who needs people of color, you know, to join our strategy team? Perhaps it's in uh, lessons, very tough lessons, very expensive lessons, like we're, we're learning now. The benefits of diversity and certainly where you draw inspiration from as someone who's responsible for strategy. I'm sure this lends to that debate. I'm sure. Definitely. I mean, I'm happy you mentioned that because just last week I was watching two videos by the same guy showing how not being diverse affects the products you ship. And there's a very simple product. It's not, it's tech in terms of it's taps in high-end hotels. You know, those taps, those fancy taps, you just wave your hands under them and the soap comes out and you wave your other hand and the water comes out. Vacation, homie, vacation. (laughs) Guess what? The dude is a black guy, black American guy. He's not dark and he's waving the palm of his hand. Soap doesn't come out. He waves the other hand. Soap or water doesn't come out. Then he calls his colleague and they're chuckling on the video, which we'll tweet out on our Twitter handle, at this because they were at a tech conference at this hotel. And he thought it was funny. Then he calls his white colleague, or should I say European descent, but I'll say white. Caucasian. Let's be politically correct. Ah, whatever. So he calls his, <laughs> he calls his white friend in. He waves, just puts his hand under. Soap comes out. He puts his other hand under, water comes out. Then he thought, nah, maybe this tap is bugging. So now because they saw that, they go to other hotels with the same uh, brand taps. Guess what? Same thing. They don't bring out water for black hands. Racist taps, I tell you. <laughs> but here's the thing. That means in the R&D department, there were no, there's no diversity in that team in building those products because even in the testing or the, the quality of QA, what we call QA, quality assurance, there are no black people. They didn't test or they didn't test on black customers. And you won't think of that unless you have a diverse team. And, and I think this also is Apple. Another big company that suffered this was Apple recently with the, iPhone, uh, with the Apple Watch where the Apple Watch wasn't picking heartbeats from black skin. Well, I suppose, look, I mean, there's so much anecdotal evidence for this, though. Um, The Altic Note being the latest of which we're not quite sure fits the bill entirely because we don't know why they've decided to discontinue it. would be fun if we could hear from someone who knew uh, exactly why they they decided to pull the switch on that project. But certainly, uh, this is just the start of a conversation. Perhaps you have your thoughts on uh, on what it takes to build great tech products and what should go into it and, and what companies, big and small, startups and incumbents alike, uh, should be thinking about in terms of building the best tech products specifically for Africa. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, give us a shout on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Or hit us up on on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup. You know the hashtag? 
A-T-R-U. Let's keep this conversation going, folks. Once again, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. They help businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact their bottom lines. To find out what Imagination can do for your business, visit imagination.co.za. That's the letter E hyphen imagination.co.za. And discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. We're totally stoked and still raving that you stuck around all the way to the end. And thank you so much for joining us. You know where it's at. Same time, same station next week. Otherwise, until next week, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugo. Cheers, guys. From Defo Mohapi. Take it easy.